0: Church is a glitten kind of place, a little bit of mitten and a little bit of glove, the glove of independence and individual leadership, where you can grab the misshapen and unbalanced logs for your wood stove. With your gloved hands, you can huddle outside and talk on the phone without dropping it into a pile of snow. The mitten of togetherness and shared warmth where together surrounded by fluffy down fleece and layers of wool. Your fingers won't freeze as you grip the handlebars of your bicycle and ride to work or school. The glitten, the glitten is a little of both. The dominant culture we live in encourages independence, celebrates winning the game more than playing the game, getting ahead and pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. This fast-forward individualistic functioning is wonderful for some areas of our lives. In our work lives, we might push our projects forward to completion, feeling the urgency of now, We are excited, motivated, resourceful people who know how to get things done. In our school lives, we may push towards a high grade point average or success in sports, music, or other creative endeavors. We make a decision, figure out the steps that we must take, and then carry forth doing what needs to be done, addressing any challenges on the way, Congratulations, the project has been presented. The library has been built, success. The hospital is finished, the test has been passed. You won the game, yes. This ability to function swiftly and assertively is an asset. Especially now, when the Earth's climate is changing rapidly, economic inequality is continuing, fewer jobs are available, and the cost of schools is rising. However, it has not always been like this on this land, this turtle island. Christopher Columbus wrote in his journals of the very kind and generous peoples he met when he arrived here. In his book, A People's History of the United States, Howard Zinn writes, The Indians, Columbus reported, are so naive and so free with their possessions that no one who has not witnessed them would believe it. When you ask for something they have, they would never say no. To the contrary, they offer to share with everyone. These kind and generous people are the Arawak and the Tieno. Philip Scott, a Lakota chief based in Northern California, believes that the white people who currently live on this land have lost our indigenous traditions. He teaches that we have forgotten how to live in a healthy and balanced life on earth, we no longer honor the mother we are disconnected from mother earth father sky the winds of the four directions we have forgotten how to live in harmony with our sisters and brothers we do not recognize our ancestors the animals the stones the plants philip is called to heal those who have become lost lost like ourselves A missionary among the Lakota in South Dakota and scholar of the anthropology of religion, Father Paul Steinmetz, shares a similar sentiment. He writes, It must be a spirituality that expresses a personal relationship with nature. From this personal relationship flows a love and respect toward nature, a willingness not to dominate but to be part of nature. He continues, Time is running out. There is a sense of urgency. This spirituality is not a luxury, but a necessity. This way of being together, this way of being in relationship with all of nature, all of existence, is like being in a mitten together. This is what we strive to do when we come to church. We pull on a mitten We walk through those doors, and we strive towards living a healthy and balanced life. We share spiritual and emotional warmth with each other, and we carry that warmth out into the world. Sometimes, it is hard to bring that warmth of community out into the world, especially, especially if you have absorbed the message that you are alone if you've heard that no one will catch you if you fail, if you've heard that there is not enough. When I lived in Guinea, West Africa, I did not know how to feed myself. There were no grocery stores or corner bodegas. The market was filled with endless half-broken tables covered with rusty cans, old glass bottles filled with some liquid, small plastic bags filled with red and gray powders, magic cubes, and piles of small onions and garlic. I was afraid that I would not be able to recognize food. Because of this, I always made sure that I had two bags of spaghetti, two boxes of laughing cow cheese, a can of dry milk, and my cherished bottle of garlic powder. I dreaded the day that I would run out of my garlic powder. It was the one thing that made my mac and cheese edible. I was operating from a place of scarcity. I did not know how to trust that I would be able to feed myself in this strange-to-me land. I was grasping at my garlic powder, afraid of using it, but needing to eat. As long as I have this garlic powder, I'll be okay, I thought. I did not know how to ask for help. As the months went by, I began to experiment with fresh garlic cloves. I learned to say garlic in Pular, the local language. I experimented with crushing, chopping, sauteing the garlic before adding it to my spaghetti and creamish cheese like sauce like stuff. All the while keeping just a little garlic powder just in case. I began to trust that though this nation filled with poverty and corruption, I began to trust that somehow there would always be enough food for me, and everyone. Except, of course, during the month-long fast of Ramadan, when the markets and restaurants were closed. This moving from a place of scarcity to a place of abundance, from a place of fear and loneliness to a place of trust and community, this is spiritual deepening, It is not easy. The air we breathe, the television we watch, the highways we drive on are filled with scarcity messages. Hold on to that garlic powder. There is not enough to share. Be careful. Put the jar of garlic powder into the cupboard. Don't let anyone near it keep it safe. Shh, don't tell anyone that we have garlic powder. My friends... We gather in religious community to lend support to each other so that we may turn our hearts toward the abundant life, so that we may know that there is garlic powder for all. We help each other peel our grasping fingers off of the garlic powder bottle. We need each other because there are times in our lives when we may be blinded by our grief, by our pain, by the feeling of scarcity. In these times, coffee hour might seem like an endless line of broken tables covered with unrecognizable objects. It is times like this when the spiritual and emotional warmth of the mitten will hold you in tender embrace. It is times like these when we may need a long, slow breath and to remember the warm mitten around us. We remember that we are part of the interconnected web of all existence. We remember that we are held in God's love, the goddess's tender embrace. We remember the peaceful acceptance of the meditation group. We remember the protective atmosphere surrounding the earth. We take a communal breath. We steady each other's shaking hands. We sing with each other. Love will guide us through the hard night. A. Powell's Davies writes in his essay, Why I Come to Church, he says, in a congregation, we share each other's spiritual needs and reinforce each other. In some ways, the soul is never lonelier than during a worship service. Yet it is a loneliness that has strength in it. He continues, perhaps it is because the innermost solitude of the human heart is, in some paradoxical way, a thing that can be shared. That must be shared if the Spirit of God is to find an entrance into it. We meet each other as friends and neighbors anywhere and everywhere, but seldom do so in the consciousness of our soul's deepest yearnings. But in church, we do. He says, church leaves us knowing that we all have the same yearning, the same spiritual loneliness, the same need of assurance and faith and hope, and our dedication to the service of our fellow human beings. It is our dedication to our fellow human beings and all of creation that leads us here at First Parish to go out into the world in peace and to make a positive difference in the world. I pray and I hope that we remember to sit on the earth, to listen to those who reside in our shared mitten. Because many well-meaning and good-intentioned folks and organizations from around the world often act from a glove mentality. They decide what is best for others without listening. In Guinea, I witnessed libraries built and books bought for small villages where there were no people to run the library. These libraries were often locked for months or years at a time. I taught English to high school students who likely would never have an opportunity to use it. I heard of broken water pumps built for communities that did not have the tools, parts, or skills to repair them. I saw a large hospital and many small clinics built in areas with no clean water, no electricity, and no doctors. Schools built with no teachers. These buildings remain locked on the side of a dusty dirt rut in the earth, I am sure that these must have felt like wonderful, much-needed development projects, but the organizations did not get the local community's input. They did not sit on the earth and listen, truly listen, to the needs of the people. They did not gather around the great mango tree and listen. Listen to the people saying what we feel and what we want, what we fear for ourselves and each other, into the dark. Perhaps we could begin to begin to listen. Begin to listen to your heart. And when you know deep in your heart that First Parish is your church, then it is time, it is time to sign the membership book, offer financial contribution, and commit to the continuing presence of this community. It is this essence, the moment to step into the long history of this place, stretching into the past, through the present, and into the future. Each of you felt, or may feel, That moment at some point, whether it was last week, 50 years ago, or will be in two years from now. Sometimes, during the journey of our lives and religious practice, we may find ourselves questioning the path we are on. You may find yourself behind the wheel of a large automobile, You may ask yourself, like David Byrne of the band Talking Heads, well, how did I get here? How do I work this? You may say to yourself, this is not my beautiful house. This questioning may lead to remembering why we are here. Why do we do what we have chosen to do? This deep remembering is not simply remembering what we have forgotten, but remembering. becoming a member again, a recommitment to walk justly and kindly in our lives, to live out those values that we hold most dear to our hearts, to re-choose to come into this place of worship, community, commitment and strength. This remembering is looking down at our hands and seeing the gloves that we are wearing. And you may ask yourself, where did I get these? This remembering is taking off the gloves finger by finger and putting your hands back into the mitten of community. When we become one with our religious community, we pledge ourselves to that high cause of greater understanding of who we are and what in us is true. Let us spend time in the dark, listening. And may we remember that it is not we who speak, But the wind, the wind blows through us, and long after us is the wind. May it be so. Amen.